It's Friday. You've made it. If you're still part of the working world where you're essential personnel, you've made it. You've made it to Friday. Shawnee, Chris Honorado, Sean Bagnardi, Honorado and Bagnardi here on Facebook. How are you, dude? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good as well. Um, it's funny. I know the weekend doesn't really mean what it does in the normal world in pandemic times, but the weekend is still here. And so for people like you who work Monday through Friday still, the weekend yeah. is almost here, man. It is. It's a holiday weekend, which means nothing. <laughs> yes, it is, which is forgotten in a lot of ways, too. Right. Uh, this will be an interesting weekend, though, in terms of the pandemic to see how far people go, how far they push the limits of social distancing and wearing a mask and large gatherings. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be curious to see how responsible or irresponsible the people of this country are this weekend. Well, Ashley uh, just told me before we started the show, she saw New Jersey's governor, uh, Phil Murphy, I uh, believe is his name, mm -hmm. um, has expanded the limit of people at public gatherings from 10 to 25. Oh. So if you're going to have those barbecues on Memorial Day, yeah. uh, you can you can have as many as 25 people if you like. Yeah. That but weird always uncle. a reminder to socially distance yourself. Yeah, that weird uncle you wouldn't you were hoping now you were going to keep out. He's back in, the kids are back in. It's back to being the normal nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and we will get some some sports of value this weekend, which we'll get up to coming up in, ooh, 050. See, this is the benefit of a visual show. Right. You didn't have to say a word for me and everybody watching to understand maybe what you're thinking in terms of the match. I will Tiger not be 100 on that. Manning. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and Mickelson and Brady. We'll get to that in zero fifty or hundred coming up uh, later on in the show. Uh, but first, want to update everybody kind of on where we are with Major League Baseball trying to start the season and the NBA trying to restart the season. The NHL, by the way, this morning is voting uh, or or was voting on a twenty four team playoff proposal. The bracket is wild, um, and and I, you know what. Okay, your general thoughts here. We won't dive deep here, but you're shaking your head. Yeah. You don't like this idea? No, it's ridiculous. It's way too many teams. Way too many teams. And as I said to you at the beginning of all this, the main thing I'm concerned about is that we keep a legitimate playoff. We're going to come back. I want the playoffs to be legitimate. I want, at the end of the day, if we finish this season in the NHL and the NBA, I want us to feel like the champion that we crown is legitimate. And I feel like already I have concerns now that that is not going to be the case in the NHL because this is too many teams. Um, you know how it is in hockey. You get a team in there who rides a hot goalie for a little bit longer than they should. I mean, we're obviously not going to have full best of seven series all the way through here. Is that correct? Right. Yep, you're right. Okay. So now you're going to open the door for – you know, I, I always feel like in a best of seven, the best team will win – you go shorter than that. Now you open it up to teams that don't belong, making deeper runs. And again, it just flies in the face of the legitimacy of it all. And 24 teams, it's too many. 
Uh, your your thoughts on how the NBA comes back here may mirror you know what you're saying about the NHL. But before we get to that, uh, Major League Baseball, there's there's this stir around Major League Baseball bags because the players and the owners are not currently seeing eye to eye on how revenue should be split or how mm-hmm. players should get their salaries. Now, it wasn't that long ago that the owners and the Players Association agreed to salary reductions or prorated pay based on how many games would be played this year. You know, in a fantasy world, we're still hoping for half a season, 81, 82 games, something like that. Players, let's say you make $20 million, we're going to get prorated some, you're going to make $10 million this year because you're only playing half the season. We have gone over Blake Snell's comments from the Tampa Bay Rays already. But this is where things are getting messy with, with baseball because now owners are suggesting, well, we're going to lose $4 billion. So if that's going to happen, we want to do a revenue share with the players. We don't want flat salaries based on the contract you've signed. If we're losing $4 billion, and let's say as a, as a league, we only make $2 billion this year. Okay, well, now we're just to a 50-50 split and players will be doled out money based on however much comes in from this season. it I've said it. I don't think we're seeing anything until the NFL. Yeah. I get that we're really close with the NBA and the NHL, and maybe but I don't I don't think we're seeing baseball. This whole thing is a mess, and we aren't even talking bags about how they can safely start a season. Right. We're always stuck on money right now. Yeah. Well, and unfortunately, that might be – the bigger hang-up, because that might be the thing that's more important to more people, is the financial aspect of it than the, the public health issue. We're seeing that a little bit, I think, in politics. Yeah. Um, but this is all, it's all the same. You know, it always comes down to the almighty dollar here and, and, and how this money is going to be divvied up. My question for you is, how much money do you lose versus half a season versus no season at all? How much money do you make when there's no season? You make nothing. Okay. So that being the case, maybe you ought to try to figure it out in a way where everybody can be happy. Um, this to me, I, the, the revenue sharing, boy, look, if you're going to have a season in any form, everybody's going to have to take a hit. The players are going to have to take a hit. The teams are going to have to take a hit. That's just the way it is. Um you know, look, maybe TV deals have to be restructured too. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that comes into play. At the end of the day, everybody's got to take a hit. The thing you have to realize is that hit is a lot bigger if you don't play at all. So keep that in mind. Yeah, look, I I think everybody realizes that. If we don't play, nobody makes any money. I, I get that. And then we get a whole mess of service time and, and our guys free agents at the end of this year right. or going into the winter or not. And that creates a whole other Players Association issue. Um, that said, I just, my confidence meter on, on whether or not we see baseball this summer is, is not very high. We'll know in what I really think the next two or three weeks here, because if they're going to do a, a, some kind of simulated form of spring training before you actually play games in July, they've got to be able to make that decision here very, very quickly. Uh, here's a funny thing, and, and I laugh, and, and I think it's so ridiculous that we might even see baseball this year because of this right here, Bags. I'm sure you've seen this already. This is Major League Baseball's proposal 
to start the season. It's a 62-page document. <clears throat> it includes no spitting, no high fives, no licking of fingers. That pertains mostly to the pitchers yeah. and the players who aren't on the field at the time sitting in the stands, socially distanced, not in the dugouts. All right. Let me let me ask you this here. What, I mean, what, what are we doing here? Or else what? Somebody spits, what happens? I don't know. Yeah. You can't enforce this. That's the problem. You, you can't enforce it. Because once you start enforcing it, you have to enforce it every single time. Somebody gives a high five, whatever the punishment is for that. Now, guess what? Somebody turns around and spits. You've got to punish them too. And that it becomes a bigger nightmare than it's worth. It's almost like, you know, baseball is good at putting in rules that they don't really enforce. And I feel like... Yeah, I mean, the, the time limit on instant replay is one for sure. Right. So maybe this is just something you say, hey, kind of keep this in mind. But the fact that it's this is the way it's got to be or else, that's just not going to work. It's just not going to happen. No, I know. And I just think it's so ridiculous that you even throw these things out here. I get it. Like they're parameters, not maybe rules that, as you say, carry some kind of punishment with them. Uh, but just the idea that there's a walk-off home run in October, let's right. say, okay? Right. And no one's allowed to gather around home plate. You literally, it's it's the it's the rookie treatment of a first career home run where right. a guy gets back to the dugout, nobody pays attention to him. Right. It's just absurd. And the other thing to remember too is these things are habitual. I mean, these these are things people have been doing since they've been playing the game in, in little league in, in T ball. So yep. no, it's it's gonna be impossible to stop it. So when it happens, you then have to enforce it or else it's just a joke and you can't really enforce it. So it's already just a joke. So I'm not sure why you're going to this extent. And, and also, it, it kind of shows a, a little bit of a lack of understanding of how the virus works. If, you know, if spitting is going to be a problem, I mean, you've got just the fact that you've got the umpire and the catcher and the batter as close as they are, okay, yeah. that, that's happening. And the batter, everybody's got to go up to the plate during the game. Um, you're going to be around your teammates all the time, hotels, travel, whatever it is. Uh, so does it really matter if you're close in the dugout? It's like now, it's like the people who like we're currently going to work with, you do the best you can trying to stay socially distanced. But the reality is, I mean, those are the people you've now been around for a while and are going to continue to be around and really yep. can't avoid it. So I, I don't know. It seems a lot of it just seems silly to me. Uh, and, you know, they're going to do not daily, but they're going to do frequent testing. Is is that not good enough to say, hey, everybody on the Yankees has been tested in the last 36 hours. They're allowed to high five now. You know, if every if every test is coming back negative, you yeah. can't high five. You're wearing batting gloves anyway, most of these guys. Correct. Uh, Correct. Tom Glavin. Go ahead. Well, no, I, I also just was curious. So what happens if somebody then tests positive? Where do we go Don't from know. there? I mean, it, it, it has been stated anyway, at least for the time being, that it wouldn't cause a league shutdown. Uh, right. They would, you know, put that person to quarantine as quickly as possible. And, and a lot of this is fingers crossed, hope for the best type stuff. So now you've got a big series coming up against the Red Sox and judges out in quarantine for two. I don't know. It just seems. 
That's why there are more questions you can answer than ones you can right now, mm -hmm. more so with the public health issues and right. the player safety issues than even the financial side, which is why it really feels like they're just not ready to come back. And the players have to be ready to come back to more. You know, yes, they're going to want to get their money, but they're also going to want to make sure that those questions are answered and that it's safe to come back. And I think a lot of guys, some vocal, some probably not vocal about it yet, but a lot of guys are not there. A lot of guys are, are sitting back thinking, boy, is it safe? You know, guys with guys with young families and, you know, they have much bigger concerns when it comes to their health and safety and that of the people around them than probably playing half a season of baseball when we have too many unanswered questions. And this applies to any league, professional league, that is going to start or restart here uh, when we talk about using you know, neutral and even singular location sites to play these games. Are, are you going to get players to agree to be quarantined in that one city or, or smallish geographic area and not see their families for a three, four month period. Yeah, th th again, just so many layers. And that's why the pessimist in me is, is coming out here. Uh, Tom Glavin, former Braves pitcher, was interviewed by the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Ah, 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 former Mets pitcher. <laughs> he was also, he did win his 300th game with the Mets. He did. Uh, interviewed by the Atlanta Journal Constitution in the last week. Uh, Glavin was the face of the players' uh, union. In 94, 95, when the players struck um, and, and he got a lot of blowback for some of the things he said in the media because he made it about, you know, players equality and money and all this stuff. And, and they are things that fans just generally don't side with athletes on, believe it or not. So Glavin said, look, if it were to come down to an economic issue and that's the reason baseball didn't come back, they, meaning the players, are going to look bad. And it's so true. It's funny how, as fans, we oftentimes rail against athletes who complain about not making enough money, getting enough money, yeah. when we don't really hate on the owners for it. I, I, I'm not sure where the disconnect is in our minds a lot of times. I'm as guilty sometimes as, as everybody else that, you know what, the owners are making billions. Mm -hmm. The players are making millions. Right. And, and who do we pay to see? The players. Why are we such fans? Because of the players. Most fans don't know who the owner is of the, the teams around the league. They may not even know the owner of their own team. Um, and yet blowback comes against the players when they speak up looking for more money. And Glavin says, look, I lived it. I'm telling you, if the players – claim that financially it isn't worth them playing the game, they're going to be the ones who are blamed in all this. Yeah. Well, okay. So first of all, I, yes, we are the fans of the players, but at the same time, we're as big, if not bigger fans of our teams. And obviously our teams are made up of players, but you know, in the long run players come and go and retire and move on. And we remain fans because of our connection with our teams. But I, I think that, yes, the players ultimately are the ones who take the flack for making all the money, right? And, and that's what you always hear is athletes are overpaid, right, especially from non-sports fans. Yep. Um, 
I'm, I think it, it depends. Glavin could be right, but I think it depends on how exactly it plays out. Because, look, if if this goes down a certain road or a certain way where it looks like it's really the owners holding things up, I think fans will be aware of that. I think that um, if, if the players seem like they really want to play – but money is the issue. I think it, it, it just depends for me. It depends on, on how that plays out and where it feels like the money is being held up because there have been labor disagreements in the past in sports where you feel like the onus is really more on the owners or on the league doing certain things. So it depends. I, I think, Glavin, though, the, the bigger picture issue is right. If they don't play for financial reasons versus health and safety reasons, that's just a bad look for everybody. It should, if, if we're not going to play because we're worried about player safety, then fine. I think everybody can live with that. It comes down to the money. That's a problem. Okay. But if we don't play because of, of safety issues, there'll be no blame. No one will, will feel the brunt of, of blame. Correct. And if, and the only other thing that could hold this up is financial. Yeah. And you and I both agree then that the players probably get the short end of that stick. Yes. Uh, one thing we love here on the show, if you're if you're watching us on Facebook, uh, thanks for hanging out with us here on a Friday. Uh, but it also allows you the opportunity to to jump in and and comment. Shawnee, we were talking about uh, the NHL. Here's our guy, Frank Rocco. Anybody who knows him knows him as the Rock Man. Let's yeah. go Penguins. Yeah, Penguins obviously are one of the 24 teams that would reach the playoffs. Uh, my Devils would not be in the postseason, even if 24 teams got in. Here's Jeff. Very hard to eliminate the teams that are less than four points out of a playoff spot. It's short series to figure out who gets into the real tournament. The real one will remain best of seven to win the cup. Yeah, he's not wrong. News- yeah, he's not, he's, no, he, and he's not wrong about that. And, then, and, then, but see, and this is the problem where – First of all, that's spoken by a Rangers fan. The team won't yes, have the playoffs. Um, so, yes, he's right because there, there were still regular season games to play. I know you would just sort of say, too bad he didn't make it. Um, but, no, there were teams who still had a chance to get in. So I do understand the idea of, well, we still need to allow them to compete for the championship because they, they would have had that opportunity. I just don't know if uh, 24 seems like an awful lot from 16. And I know some teams are a lot. I know, look, there were, there were close races. So what would you do? 20 instead of 24? Would you do two more from each conference instead of four more from each conference? Yeah. Well, so how many games were left in the regular season? I have notes on the NBA here. The NBA season Teams had somewhere between 15 and 19 games remaining. The NHL would be a little bit fewer than that. Right. Okay. Is it impossible for us to finish those games? Is that impossible? No, not impossible. Here's here's the problem. It's not about the games. It's about the number of teams and players you're now hurting in from wherever. I think, to me, that's the issue. It isn't about the number of games you're going to play. It's about the number of participants. And so I can eliminate, you know, however many players per team, and I can cut out six or ten, however many you want. That's significant. 
So how is this structured from teams 17 to 24 versus teams one through 16? So you're basically going to have like something of a play in the top four seeds um, will not play first round series. Okay. Um, But other than that, everybody's going to play to find out, okay, am I playing the three seed next? Am I playing the one seed next? Right. So that's that's just my point is that you're going to have still teams that are not those top, top teams, but still very good teams having to compete in playoff games that are not what they would have had to go through otherwise. For instance, I did look this morning, the Rangers who are not currently in the playoff picture uh, would have a play-in series, if you will, and the winner of that series would go on to play the three seed. Okay. So if you're the three seed and you don't want to face the Rangers and you'd rather see them out of the play, look, I've said it. I said it in the newsroom at News Channel 13. I'll say it here. Uh, if if the NHL decides that it just wants to crown a champion, the easiest way to do that, and in a, in a way I'm I'm fine with, honestly, is if you were part of the playoff picture at the shutdown, you are in the postseason. We play it from here on out. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I think the only thing with that is that probably not everybody has played exactly the same amount of games. No, they haven't. So you have to you have to at least have it even in some way there. And that's why I think either Take it down from 24, a little bit less, and use kind of those play-in games as what would be finishing out the regular season for those teams who were on the outside and now, okay, they've qualified because they've gotten through a round of postseason play. Or just finish, have a, a few more regular season games, even if it's not bringing it to completion, to give those teams the opportunity to get in and also to have it even out where everybody's played the same number of games. I guess it's probably just more complicated than what they're doing, and that's probably a part of this too. And I think another thing that that they rightfully have to consider is teams that don't have anything to play for having to go out and play games and potentially put themselves at risk. Um are guys even going to want to do that? So I understand those those issues come into play as well. And look, the, the teams that have nothing to play for, like my Devils, um, okay, but but what if Jeff is saying 12 games left, at least for the Rangers anyway? Yeah. Um, you're not giving the Devils, as, as stupid as this sounds, you're not giving the bad teams an opportunity to lose enough games to get the number one pick. This works both ways. That's why I'm saying you just cut it off at its head and you go on with the postseason. Who's in? Okay, here we go. Uh, similar similar kind of stream of, of thought here is with the NBA. Uh, Orlando in the last 48 hours or so has emerged as the leading city to host all NBA games the rest of this year if this season Resumes. If the NBA comes back, bags, how do you want to see it come back? Uh, not in the summer league. Like, what is this? No, this is not. If, if the NBA comes back, again, like hockey, like any sport, I would want the most important thing to be considered. Um, can we do it legitimately? Can we crown a legitimate champion? And I think there's still a way to do that. Look, at the end of the day, if you have to live with a host city, 
I, you have to live with it. There, there's certainly something to be said, though, for playing home games, especially in the postseason. I mean, and it, that kind of puts the legitimacy into question. Although I will say, sort of a neutral site is a neutral site, and that's as fair as fair can get. So if I have but to I just, that aspect, can you, can you imagine? Can you imagine this? It would be you know, the NBA Finals or the playoffs or whatever. It would be like All Star Weekend. Yeah. You would get players from other you know competing teams yeah. still left in the tournament. I would imagine sitting in the arena watching this game. Like yeah. to me, that would be really. I'd love to see the reactions of some of these guys when you know Giannis comes down the lane and dunks on somebody. Yeah, but here's the problem. Teams have earned the right to have an advantage in the playoffs by having more games in a playoff series at home. Taking that advantage away from better teams is what, it's again, where I kind of have an issue where you bring in the legitimacy. Um, it's tough. It gives, it gives the lesser teams an advantage. And... Yeah, I, I know it seems like a small thing, especially if we're talking about playing games or not playing or finishing se a season or not finishing a season. But I just want it to feel legitimate. And the, the things I'm hearing, it, it, it just doesn't it just doesn't cut it for me. I want to finish the regular season, at least a certain amount of games, similar to what I would say for hockey. The teams that belong in the playoffs play the playoffs. And I'd rather see you play in your home city just – it's tough because if you're, there's no difference if you're playing in your home city and there are no fans versus if you're playing at a neutral site. So that doesn't really matter. You'd have to let some fans in the building. Um, and I don't know that we're going to get there. The good news for the NBA, uh, as opposed to the NHL, as we talk about, you know, do you have to finish the regular season? The NBA, in my opinion, you don't have to finish the, the regular season there either. Here's why. The East is pretty much set. Yeah, I mean, they're somewhere between 15 and 19 games left, so I get it. You know, uh, Orlando could fall out of the eight spot, but they're five and a half games ahead of Washington for that eight seed. Scrap it. Let's go. Well, I got my eight teams. I don't care the order of them. I know I know, Orlando and Brooklyn are close, seven, eight, whatever. The, that one through eight, we've got them set in the East, done. Now, the, the, eighth, eighth, seed, so the eighth seed will be the only team with home advantage through the uh, entire – yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you can't have fans anyway. What's the advantage? Yeah, I know. Uh, nobody's sleeping in their own bed anyway. No advantage. Uh, well, the, West, the West, though, is a little tricky because you've got Memphis as the eighth seed. You have three teams tied for ninth, three and a half games back. Portland, yeah. New Orleans, Sacramento. So – in my opinion, anyway, I don't know what you think, Shawnee. The West is is not as cut and dry as the East would be, and I think Portland's a team that, healthy and playing well, would they wouldn't beat the Lakers. I'm not saying that, but they have the potential to pull off an upset out West more than New Orleans, Sacktown, or Memphis would, right? Or even take a good team deeper into a series and oh. affects later yeah. series, so. I don't know. What's your opinion? I mean, you asked the questions here, but come on. What, what start the playoffs. Just start the playoffs. What I mean about the host city thing. You're oh, okay. I'm good with it. I, I like it. I like it. Look, it's, it's the only 
it's the most realistic way to get these leagues back going. So let's do it. Th- these are these are beyond unprecedented times, yeah. right? I mean, more than a century since we've been in this type of situation. And oh, by the way, they still played baseball through the Spanish flu. Um, so it's unlike anything you and I and anybody else running professional leagues have seen, Bag. So let's figure out a way to do it safely and let's do it. I, I, you know, if the players agree to it, then they, I don't want to hear anybody crying like, oh, well, if we hosted at the Staples Center, we'd have won that series. Too bad. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I just wonder – you know how, like in lockout seasons or strike seasons, sometimes you can look back and think, "Is that really the team that would have won?" I just, I just feel like ten years from now, twenty years from now, we're gonna look back and if this isn't done a certain way, there'll be an asterisk, asterisk next to the championship team. And if if that winds up being the case, it's almost not worth it for me. I'd rather see next season just get started on time, but. It may not be the case. There is still a way to do it. You know, it's tough because we're getting so late in the game. I mean, we're, we're nearing June here already, and we haven't even had this thing started yet. I realize you can't just keep pushing it back and pushing it back. Eventually, you're going to have to play or else you're into next season. So I'd rather see games than not see games. So if you can find a way, find a way. I'm not in love with everything I've heard. I like. I think I like the NBA plan more than what I'm hearing out of hockey. Baseball, I guess we'll see. But if you can find a way to play, believe me, I'm a fan. I know I more. it feels like I've been more anti-resuming game yeah. in this podcast. That's not the case. I just worry about how we do it. Um, if LeBron James and the Lakers win the NBA Finals this year and it's a neutral site and they're no – I mean, I know the LeBron haters will – will continue. Uh, you and I, I think, Bags, both agree, and this is courtesy of ESPN Stats and Info, as well as you can see the bottom of the screen there, the Elias Sports Bureau. Uh, you and I both agree, right, that Michael Jordan's the greatest NBA player of all time. True or false? True. Okay. So here is, I know how much you love stats that just feel kind of meaningless. You tell me, is this a meaningless stat or not? Michael Jordan has the top two spots in terms of most clutch time points in an NBA Finals in the last 30 years. Now, that is qualified by by this. Uh, The most points, okay, Mm -hmm. in the final 24 seconds of a game separated by five or fewer points. Sure. Uh, yeah, this, it's not, so a, it's not a meaningless stat. I mean, it's, it's certainly, we, we know this. Jordan's the guy who you want to have the ball at the end of a game. Certainly a big game, certainly a game, a championship game, a game when everything is on the line. And I think that does go into part of obviously what made him so great is he didn't, he wasn't just a guy who could put up a lot of points. He wasn't just a guy who could play lockdown defense. He wasn't just a guy who won a lot of games in the regular season. He did it consistently when it mattered most. You always talk about it as being sort of the untouchable because he's six for six in the finals. 
and other guys who go into the conversation, um, you you punish them for having lost in the NBA Finals, whereas I don't. I don't say, <clears throat> LeBron James, it somehow hurts you that you lost in an NBA Finals one season instead of just simply being eliminated in the second round, then that wouldn't have, have hurt you as much for your legacy. The fact that you made it two rounds deeper into the playoffs, though, somehow does hurt you. No, I, I don't get on board with that. But the fact that this guy showed up when it mattered most and did it in the clutch certainly is a part of why he is the greatest of all time. Not only doesn't he have the most clutch points in an NBA Finals, uh, here is, again, courtesy ESPN Stats and Info, uh, Jordan compared to the other MVPs, league MVPs, not finals MVPs, but league MVPs in the last 20 seasons, their percentage on game-tying or go-ahead field goals in the final 24 seconds of a playoff game. Yeah. Jordan, for his career, 9 of 18. As you can see, nobody else even at or above 40%. Dirk, closest to him, 39. And then the name that will just continually attach to him, LeBron James, 37%. So, again, just speaks to, one, Jordan's ability to you know not shy away from big moments, right? But also, obviously, to then cash in on them. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll address what you just said there. Yes, I value players who get to the biggest stage and win on the biggest stage. Now, that doesn't make Eli Manning better than Tom Brady because Manning's two for two in Super Bowls. No, I and know. Brady is six for nine. Yeah. Okay, he lost the Eagles and the Giants. So th I value, okay, what is the total number of championships? Mm -hmm. And then what was your conversion rate? That's how, and when, and when I see six for Jordan, who just did things that we never saw before. Yes. And the fact that he's a hundred percent. Fine. You're converting above LeBron for me to put him above Kobe, Magic, Kareem, even Russell, who won 11 of them. Fine. But your conversion rate is flawed because it's based only on the championship series as opposed to full seasons. So for instance, you would say that a guy who is five for five in the championship is arguably better than a guy who is five for 10 in a championship. But in those five other years that the guy, the second guy made it to the championship series, the other guy might not even made the playoffs and you don't care about that. Whereas this guy had, the other guy had deeper runs, play runs. So you have to take it. Your average has to be based not just on the last series, but on total seasons. Okay, but, you're, but you're taking it a little out of context here, just because I'm going based on NBA finals records. You know, if we want to talk about how many times a guy makes a playoffs and makes the playoffs and doesn't make the playoffs, I, I then pivot to my baseball argument. Like, I know how great Mike Trout is, but I have a hard time getting on board with him being considered one of the greatest ever. I know it's more of a team sport, baseball, than basketball, but the guy's been in the playoffs once, Bags. And if mm -hmm. I want to consider somebody to be a great of all time, like top five, even in the conversation for one or two, I need to see you do it on the biggest stage. And again, it's not my problem 
you aren't surrounded by better players or that you haven't chosen to sign somewhere else where they do get you better players. No, I agree. I just think, and yeah, Trout's a different animal. Like you can definitely look at how many times guys have made the playoffs versus not versus how deep they've gone. I just think the argument that it, it, it could hurt you if you go a round or two deeper in the playoffs versus getting eliminated earlier to me is just foolish. All right. Well, you already knew I'm a fool, so yeah, no breaking can you news. Wrap it back up though for a second. That last one, do you have that? Can you do that? Yeah, okay. Because uh, I thought there were two other things interesting here. Number one, Bryant and even Durant, I would have guessed were higher percentages in that. That's that stands out to me. Um, I would have thought, especially Kobe was a guy who in in the final 24 seconds, uh, I, I would have. You know, you always remember the ones they make, of course, but obviously there there were enough misses in there to only be one out of four. And again, these are the guys who are the best ever to do it. These are your MVP guys in the big spots. So I'm not I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying that those numbers for those two guys are lower than I would have suspected. And here's the one that is right about where I would expect it, Mr. James Harden on the bottom, uh, because. For anybody who's, you know, madly in love with the beard, you and I both feel like while he is a great scorer, while he is a great all-star, while he will, you know, be a Hall of Famer, he is a guy who we feel like we just can't trust in the big spot. Um, and he's another guy who who you'd, you want to see. You want to talk about guys who you want to see do it, guys who in, in the big spot win a, win a game, win a championship – He's a guy who still has a lot left to prove for me, and I know for you as well. Uh, quick comment here, Shawnee, on the idea of uh, playing in a neutral site. Title no less legitimate based on where it's won. You get a diploma no matter where the graduation takes place. Okay. I mean, look, you get the diploma based on – you know, the, the full body of work and really the location, obviously, in that is, it has no relevance at all. But in sports, it does have a relevance because it's something you play for. Home advantage mm-hmm. is something you play for. Now, you know, in football, it's different. You're playing for the opportunity to play at that neutral site in the Super Bowl. But in the other sports, home advantage in the championship series is a big part. And we've seen teams change how they will finish a regular season based on pursuing that goal because of how important it is. So it's something that you work for and you earn it. And I think because of how important it can be in sports like basketball and hockey, that's why for me, it's a part of it and a part of the, what ultimately decides the legitimacy of a championship because it's all part of the game that you play for and ultimately earn. That was my cousin who has a high school graduating senior By the way, on a football field. And and kudos to all these schools who are finding unique, creative ways to not just graduation ceremonies, but just to honor their seniors who have have lost a lot. And look, people in this pandemic are losing a lot worse. So you have to keep it in perspective and yeah. certainly we know that sports is way down on the list of things when it comes to uh, what people are having to go without graduations and big life moments, certainly higher than sports. 
but there are things way higher than that, obviously. I mean, we, we have a lot of people losing their lives, losing their livelihoods. Um, but that being said, for these seniors and for a lot of young kids, things are a lot different now. And they are missing things that a lot of people do look back on in their lives fondly. And, and you do feel for them. But kudos to all these schools and communities who are stepping up to give them some kind of it's a different kind of memory, but it's something that they will be able to look back on and remember for the rest of their lives and still be proud of their achievements and hang their hats on what they did during their school careers. Yeah, look, you're going to have a story to tell. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. It's me about my high school graduation. It says it was as run of the mill as any other out there, you know? Right. Um, but people who are graduating from high school or college will We'll have a story to tell. By the way, I mean, the college graduation is so overrated. I, I don't know what your experience was, but it, but at Ithaca, by the way, it happened in the middle of May and there was snow, not on the ground, but actually falling from the sky. And it's, it, it was, it's out, it's out on the football field. I don't know how they do it. And I think they do it indoors now. They have a much better facility, but mine was out on the football field and it was school of park, you know, Roy H. Park School of Communications stand and be recognized oh that stood as a huge class and then you sat back down i mean considering the condition i was in that morning due to a late night before had i known what it was going to be i would have skipped it in a heartbeat yeah for me graduations are personally overrated i didn't care about mine it like it was fine you know it was what it was I did skip the grad school one at Syracuse because it was, you know, it was a, a one year program and the graduation was, it was in the dome and Joe Biden was the, was the commencement speaker who's vice president at the time. So it's secret service. Everywhere. Like it, it just, for me, I didn't care. I think oftentimes graduations are way more important to the family members of the student than to yeah. the student themselves. Even later in life, they don't, they don't look back on it and even care. Not the case for everybody, certainly. Uh, but for me personally, I could take it or leave it. So you skipped an opportunity to see the vice, the sitting vice president speak. Correct. Okay. All right. Just wanted to, I didn't want that to get lost in, in what you just said. Okay. It's not the president. Right. Uh, let's, let's, let's get to the NFL here. Uh, which always has a way of, of generating some news, thank goodness. Uh, your Jets. Hey, show that mug again real quick. By the way, I, I have to get you our, the Honorado and Bagnardi mugs if you're going to start drinking out of a mug on the yeah, show. No. Yeah, please. I should have one anyway. <clears throat> Half the thing. All right. So the Jets contract talks with Jamal Adams broken down in the last right. 24 hours. Uh, Adams was planning on skipping these voluntary virtual off-season workouts anyway. Oh, no. As a Jets fan, are you concerned? As a Jets fan, what's the question? Are you concerned? No, I'm not concerned. Do you want them to pay him? Yeah, I think he's good. I think – so I think it's right now more about the extension, more about years than it is even money, right? It sounds like they haven't even dived into the money aspect of it. Um, so really, if that's the biggest issue so far, I think that's a hurdle that they will be able to overcome. Um, 
again, it's, for me, this is all about perspective. There are a lot of people right now who, who can't negotiate, renegotiate contracts in their business. And um, I, this doesn't worry me at all. I just have the confidence that this will ultimately work out. Um, they'll find the right amount of time and then the money will follow and everybody will be happy. Here's the contract conversation that never seems to go well. Yeah. And I'm, I think the Jets should pay Jamal Adams. Um, and I think they will. He's going to the last year of his rookie deal. So he look, he, he doesn't want to be strong. He wants he wants to know coming off this. First of all, he wants them to rip up that last year of his rookie deal and, and pay him, right. which I do think that they'll end up doing here. Uh, the contract conversation that just will not go away. Uh, Chris Sims, um, who does NFL coverage on NBC as well as Bleacher Report, has his own podcast, um, Unbuttoned. And he reported that the Cowboys offered Dak Prescott a five-year, $175 million deal. It would make Dak the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL at $35 million annually. Here's kind of the hang-up. Reportedly, the hang-up is that Dak is not so worried about this, five and 175. In fact, he would prefer a four-year deal so he can maybe cash in again in his career. But he wants $45 million in the final year of his deal, which if you kind of, you know, extrapolate things and, and you look into the future that 45 might be the number, somebody like Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson would get on a new deal. So Dak is not only worried about Shawnee being the highest paid guy. Now he wants to be as high paid as the guys coming down the line. Yep. Uh, so I've been a Dak defender on you that have. show. I think he's a very good quarterback. I think he puts up very good numbers. I think that if he had a little bit more postseason success, there'd be a, a much different perception of him, which sure. he said probably about a lot of guys. And like we just talked about, that's a really important part of it. You can't dismiss that. He hasn't had that success. But – I think he's a really good quarterback, deserves to get paid a lot of money, and I think 35 a year is, is a lot of money. And he probably back up here. If he just signs the franchise tag and plays under that, he'll make 31 and a half. Yeah. He's asking for too much money is what I'm getting at. I think that's clear. As good as he is, you can't command that kind of money for me uh, until you've gone out there and won a Super Bowl. I mean, that's okay. – but here's how we would stack up. Again, ESPN Stats and Info giving us this information here. Here's how he would stack up yeah. against the other highest paid quarterbacks in the league, even if he just played under the franchise tag. Right. Okay. Is he better than Russell Wilson? No. No. Is he better than Big Ben? He is now. At this point in their career? Yep. yep. Is he better than Rodgers? No. Better than Goff? Uh, yes. Yeah. Better than Cousins. Yes. Is he better than Wentz? Yeah, Wentz is healthy and right. That that's close for me. Yeah. So you know, thirty-one and a half. In according to this, anyway, if you just want to look based on the numbers, he's underpaid. <clears throat> and, and I've I've been somebody who's anti, not anti-Dak, you know, but anti-paying Dak. I think it'd be a huge mistake to give him 30 plus million dollars. However, the market is what it is. Right. And, 
And if you're rep- if you're representing Dak Prescott, you're throwing out all these other names. Like, whoa, my guy's better than them. Yes, I, I'm okay. I said, look, I'm okay with paying a lot of money. I think he's a good quarterback. I just said, 35 is pretty good. You just yeah. show the numbers. 35, that's really good. Make him the highest paid right now, and then that's kind of how it always goes. Then the guys who come down the line, they become the highest paid guys who are probably even more deserving when you talk about Mahomes and whatnot. Um, but I, I said 45 is too much. It's you put, up, you put up that number, you put up that graphic, and you think about 45. I mean, that's way too much. He's, he's, he's looking at the trend I know, I get it. four years from now. Yeah. Guys are going to be getting $45 million a year. I think what they offered was pretty good. I think what he's asking for is too much. Here's what Dallas did last year against good teams, one and six. Yeah. One and six. Yeah. We'll find out head coaching was the problem. A lot of Cowboys fans would say Jason Garrett's not a good head coach. Michael Sorry, QB rating. He's a good head coach. Yeah, so, for sure. Let's find out. Are you fired up for this or what? Tom Brady has a nine-part documentary coming out next year. It'll be on ESPN. It's called Man in the Arena. It is uh, inspired by a Roosevelt quote that I, uh, I guess is on the wall of the Patriots locker room or practice facility. Man in the Arena. Ready to go? Um. This does nothing for you? I'll watch it. I'll watch all nine parts. I like that he – I know it's nine for each of his – Super one for each of his Super Bowl appearances. Yeah. Um, I like that he didn't get to the ten that Jordan got. Um, yeah, I was wondering about the title. Look, I, I, I can't stand Tom Brady. This will be probably, though, as interesting, if not more so, than The Last Dance because they're – there seems to be a lot of other stuff to delve into, frankly, just more controversy with Brady and the controversy is what will make it more interesting. It'll be curious to see who they get to talk in this documentary and what those people say. Well, the same, the same criticisms people had about the last dance they will have about man in the arena because Jordan had to pretty much. Okay. Everything. That went into the last dance. Brady's going to have to okay everything that goes into this. Yeah, and, and that's obviously where you you would have an issue. But everything from Deflate Gate and uh, you know, the, the 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 list. I don't even want to get into the list of Patriots, Belichick, Brady controversies. Um, but then you also have the other side of it is just the incredible success on the football field. Uh, and, and how good they were. And, and then you have the, the, the crazy losses as well, the Giants Super Bowl losses. Did you hear the cat hiss? He was very yeah. mad. Well, <laughs> you're talking about Tom Brady. Uh, he's not happy. Um, so this, I'm looking forward to this. I just hope it delivers. But if it does, there's more even to deliver on than there would have been in a documentary like The Last Dance. So that's a potential to be very good. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm fired up for it for sure. All right, in the final ten minutes we've got here, bags. Can I, I'll, I'll let me just share this now because I think it speaks to kind of what you'll feel with uh, the Major League Baseball season potentially coming back. This is the KBO. Yep, in baseball. Okay, sure. And if you look behind home plate, yep, those are cutouts of. <laughs> 
I the, guess what fans would look like if they were in the – I wish I had a little telestrator here. Uh, if you look at the top left corner of your screen, it, almost like a little baby. Almost like there's a little baby up there. Okay, yep. You like this You like this idea to, to for television purposes, fill the stands? No. This is ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> this is – this is not quite as bad as pumping in crowd noise would be for me um, because that's really uh, just artificial fake as fake as this is at least the real <laughs> the real cardboard or <laughs> whatever they are well they're not real people so I have no use for this this is absurd oh. and I'd rather see empty stands than cardboard cutouts I mean if you're gonna do that, you might as well just have them wearing different T-shirts, um, you know, representing different companies, and you can infuse more advertising in or something. I mean, this, this is pointless. Pointless to me. Yeah, don't give any ideas. Yeah. Um, all right, let's do some zero fifty or hundred here, bags. Did you, did you like that? No. 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 Okay. No. And Major League Baseball won't do that. They, they won't do that. I hope not. No, there's no way. All right, zero fifty or hundred, Shawnee. Michael Jordan's right. Did you hear him say this at the end of the documentary, The Last Dance? Uh, the Bulls would have won a seventh title if the band stayed together in nineteen ninety nine. And remember, ninety nine was the year of a lockout, so yep. you had a shortened season. It was the Spurs who beat the Knicks. Knicks yep. were an eight seed that year, very talented team, but an eight seed. Uh, Spurs beat the Knicks in the NBA Finals that year. Would the Bulls have won a seventh title if they kept everybody together? Probably. I mean, it all comes down fifty to help. Oh no, sorry. Uh, I'll go hundred on this. I think, and I think the difference that would have helped them because they were getting older would have been the shortened season. And um, if they only had to deliver for a shorter period of time and really focus their run just on the playoffs. I think the Bulls team we saw in 98 was better than the Spurs team we saw in 99. Remember, as good as they were, Duncan, I mean, he was still coming into it at that point. He, he had obviously a lot more to grow and get even better. That was the year they obviously had Robinson and Duncan, which would have been, which would have created some tough matchup problems. But at the end of the day, you still would have had if they could have kept it all together is what we're assuming. So you would have had Rodman down there. You still would have had Pippen and of course you still would have had the goat. So, and at that point they're going for four straight. I think the drive, the motivation, plus having the rest of going from the NBA finals all the way night and starting the season until February. Yes. I think they probably, I'm enough to go a hundred on it. Yeah. I'm a hundred here too. And it's a, it's, Pretty close to a slam dunk for me. Just if, if they were all playing together, I'm I'm a hundred on this. I also just as you're talking about this, I wonder would we have seen the lockout if that Bulls team was still in place? Well, that's interesting. Would the uh, owners have looked at you know? There's too much value here. So and, let's say it was a full season. You still like them? Yeah, I think I do too. Yeah, not as much but I still would pick them. They're still better than that Spurs team, as good as the Spurs were, but the Spurs would, would get better. All right, zero fifty or 100, Scotty Pippen should be livid, his word, about how he's portrayed in the last dance. Uh, this is a big zero for me because um, unless anything was said in the documentary that's totally false, look, he had 
as much say as anybody else. He's in the documentary. I think he was portrayed negatively in certain areas because there were parts of his career that were negative. He didn't play when he could have. He sat out in a big spot. You know, the, the things you look in that documentary that are shine poorly on Scottie Pippen are Scottie Pippen's fault. So he shouldn't be livid about that. He should be livid about some of the things he did that now years later we can look back on and say, boy, he shouldn't have done that. Well, let me play devil's advocate here real quick because right. if if all the negative, if all the lights were shown on Pippen's negative aspects of his career, the, Pippen's argument would be, well, everybody else's you know negative aspects of their career didn't come out in this documentary. Only mine. I don't know if they're mine than anybody else's. Look, there were some Jordan negatives. Yeah, there well. had to be. Um, again, his portrait, unless, unless Jordan or others are sitting up there just outright lying about things, then no, like your portrayal is your portrayal. The, the, the negative things outlined in this documentary were on him, period. I'm a zero here too. He shouldn't be livid. I'm a zero here because he had an opportunity. I forget which episode it was. Four, maybe four. Yeah, he had an opportunity. He was asked by the director if you could go back and yep. change the way you handled the end of that game, in, where Tony Kukoc was called upon to make the win game-winning shot and not you. Right. If you could go go back and change it. Yep. You, would you not choose to sit right. on the bench? And he said, nope, I'd yep. still probably do it all over again. So this is why it's a zero for me, because Pippen in the documentary was given the opportunity to look better. And, and that was the worst. And that was the thing that shone the worst light on him. Correct. And that was him today in yes. that interview, not something that happened years ago that he got bashed for, not somebody else saying something about him. That was him today, the most negative look. So, yes, he had his chance. It's a zero. We all make some poor decisions in the moments of life. Sure. Uh, what everybody says after the fact generally is, that isn't me. That's not my character. Right. And you're supposed to go forth right? Showing that what that mistake you made, that decision you made is not you. Right. However, 20 years later, more than that now, when Pippen says, nope, I'd still do it all over again. Well, then, then that is who you are. Agreed. That yeah. is who you are. Final one here, 0, 050 or 100, the match, which is Tiger and Peyton Manning against Mickelson and Tom Brady on Sunday. The match is the first appointment viewing since March. This is a hundred for me. Because here's the thing, as pumped as I was for the last dance, it was not something that I couldn't watch on Monday and feel like, oh, I missed out completely by not watching it live, if you will, on Sunday night. In fact, that happened a couple instances where I had to DVR it, watch it after the fact. This, though, you have to see this thing live. I will guarantee you, nobody's recording this thing and watching it 24 or 48 hours later. This is something people are going to make an absolute point to be in front of a TV to watch Sunday afternoon. So, yeah, to me, first appointment viewing since March for sure, 100%. I have no whiteboard. I have a coaster here. So 
That see what that is? It's close to a zero. That's a zero. I have I, I've thought about this. Okay. I was a little bit excited for this. I've thought about this more. I I won't watch this. I have no interest in this. You know why? Because who can if this was Phil and Tiger or Phil and Tiger each matched up with like McElroy, I'd be into it. I don't care to watch old, retired, almost retired football players play golf. I don't care about this. Their personalities, it'll be it'll be fun um, to see some of the banter. But as a competitive, and I know these are competitive guys, and they're gonna they're gonna go for it. They're gonna want to win. But at the end of the day, who cares? If Phil and somebody beat Tiger and somebody who are not golfers, that to me, the, the golf aspect of this, the competition aspect is lost on me. So it's a zero. As far as entertainment goes, the 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 BSing that we'll see, the friendly competition, but then that like fine, uh, you know. I'll, I'll maybe check out highlights of it. I, I have no interest in watching this live. I don't know what time it's on. I don't know what network it's on. And I don't really care to look it up. You're you're out of your mind. Yeah. By the way, uh, it's on TNT next week, Tuesday. We're going to talk to one of the guys on the broadcast. So maybe think about changing oh. your tune. Tuesday, 10 a.m., Adam Lefko. Fine. I'll watch it for the show. All right? I'll watch it for you and for, and for our guests. But I, this, to me just doesn't have the this, you know what this is no you know what this is Manning are uber competitive Phil and Tiger are uber this is competitive. Golf. I want to see them competing in football not golf yeah I don't no. care about this this could be on badminton well are you gonna watch that whoa Tiger Tiger and Phil playing badminton no, like, the element here that you're discounting is these two guys willing to kind of show that that they're not great at a certain thing like you don't get that from a lot of athletes now they're going to be good enough golfers but but they're going to hit some really bad shots and they'll laugh about it and they've got hundreds of millions of dollars from playing football i get it but but still the egos of these guys to put it aside for a few hours on a golf course and and compete against one another i don't know i i think it's i think it's going to be outstanding i cannot wait this is, uh, you know, Michael Phelps versus the shark for me. It really is. It's just more about the, I guess, the show of it than it is some big, great athletic competition that I'm looking forward to. I'd rather see Tiger and Phil just go head-to-head against each other in a really competitive golf match than to make it this sort of entertainment. This is more online with – WWE than it is for me some big sporting event I want to watch so I'm less interested I mean I'd rather watch um, a heavyweight title fight between two clowns I've never heard of because it's at least a serious athletic competition than than something like this I'm disappointed in you okay um, improvement stuff going on today so enjoy yeah loads um, here right now to measure for offense yeah, good. All right. Well, go take care of that business. Tuesday, 10 o'clock, come back, hang out with us. Uh, Adam Lefko, who will be on the coverage for the match this weekend on TNT. You also see him every Tuesday night, uh, the NBA on TNT studio coverage, 10 o'clock Tuesday morning with Adam Lefko. Bags, uh, 
Have a good weekend, man. You too. Enjoy your little golf event. I will. And, uh, and I'll check it out for our guest. And maybe, maybe I'll really like it and have to eat crow next week. Which will you be like it hooked in. A Barkley's on the coverage. They got Ernie Johnson. You'll, you're going to watch this thing. Okay. All right. I know you will. All right, everybody. Stay well. Stay safe. Have a good weekend. Shawnee, we'll see you Tuesday, bud. All right, man. See ya. See ya.